All right, if you'll take your Bible, turn to the book of Luke chapter 19, the book of Luke chapter 19. While you're finding your place there, I cannot tell you what a privilege it is of ours to be here to help serve your, your church, serve your pastor. I cannot get over the fact that he is now a pastor. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, this church, you folks, if you'd like to hear some stories, just come see me. I'll sell them to you, okay? All oh, that'll be good. And Reagan, I want you to know, I've already told you this. God used you today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what this church does not know, uh, our church does, is our leader of, of this group, the senior high, the senior group, I'm talking about the high, the high school, 9th through 12th, uh, Mr. James Crouch and his wife Connie, uh, they are not with us on this trip uh, because Mr. James has found out that he has terminal cancer. And this is recent. And he goes this coming Tuesday to Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm sharing this with you to encourage that young man who shared his testimony to show him God orchestrated you to share your testimony today. Yeah. There's no question about it. And what that young man went through, this, this youth group is going through in a different way. But it's their leader. And they needed to hear what you had to say. Because young people, I'm talking to our youth group here for just a moment, if you don't mind. If you land in your mind that you cannot trust God and God's not good, where do you go? Where do you go from there? There's nowhere to go. It's over. If God's not good, you can't trust Him. All of that. You can't believe His promises. That He's a bad God, He's a monster. Listen closely. Then this is just a big game. This church exists for nothing. But inside the heart of a child of God, we know that God is good. And He makes no mistakes. So I hope this church will pray for our, for our, uh, our, our youth leader. James Crouch is his name. His wife, Connie. And we're praying for them, asking God to touch them in a great way. Luke chapter 19. Uh, I appreciate your pastor. He's one, of my, he's one of my dear friends, no doubt about that. And uh, I would do just about anything for him, not anything, because he's as crazy as a bed bug, and I'm not sure what he'd ask me to do, but uh, all of that would be good. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to speak today. In Luke chapter 19, I'm going to begin my reading in verse number 41. Luke chapter 19, verse 41. The Bible says, And when he, this is Jesus, was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace... But now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Notice in verse number 41, the Bible says when he came near, he looked at the city, and notice this, he wept over it. This thought of Jesus weeping. And this morning I want to preach to you on this subject, why Jesus wept. Why Jesus wept. Let's pray together. I'll share this thought with you. Father, would you speak to our hearts. Thank you for being in a service that there is no question in my own personal heart and mind that you are here. Father, you, you orchestrated this testimony that we heard earlier. And I pray now for the preaching of the Word of God that you'll calm our hearts, our spirits, May we be glued upon the Word of God. Speak to us as only you can. 
If somebody has come to church but has not come to Christ, may today be the day of salvation. And we who are saved, would you challenge us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. When it comes to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are so many things that, that all of us could focus on. But in this service, I want us to focus on one aspect of the Lord and Savior that's so precious. As a matter of fact, when I was studying through this, it was almost like stepping on holy ground. It's the truth that Jesus Christ, when He was on earth, wept at different times on His earthly journey. Now think about this. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the one that the book of John calls God manifest in the flesh. This is God in a human body. This is the Creator standing on earth cried. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. He cried. Now in order to help us in this, I want to visit three passages. This is the first one. We're going to look at three different passages when the Lord Jesus is found weeping. And we're going to study and find out the reason in that passage why He wept. And learning why Jesus wept can help us today. Are you with me with where I'm going? First thing I want you to notice with me here in this passage is we see why Jesus wept. First of all, He wept over the punishment of those who rejected Him. We see this in verses 41 to 44. I'm not going to read it again for time's sake. But in these verses, we read how the Lord came near and He beheld the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says He wept over it. Then He began to speak how they had forfeited what would have been their peace and instead were on a sure path of destruction. He talks here of the days, of how the days would come upon them where their enemies would punish them to the point that them and their children would be affected and there would not be one stone left upon another one. Now this was literally fulfilled in A.D. 70 when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. And then he goes on to say that the reason that they would be punished instead of experience peace was due to the fact that they did not know the time of their visitation. In other words, they did not recognize their Messiah had come. Get it? They did not receive Him as their peace. They did not receive Him as their Savior. In other words, He is peace. You understand? He's the author of peace. But when they rejected Him, they would now be punished. And this truth absolutely broke the heart of Jesus Christ. Get it? Those who could have known peace but rather would be destroyed, broke the heart of the Savior. By the way, the word wept here where it says He wept over it. You know what that word means? It means to bewail. It means to lament. It means to mourn. It means to wail out loud. It means to sob. It's a sign of deep pain and grief. In other words, He's not crying silently here. He's very out, outspoken here. You can hear Him crying. He's out crying. You understand? I'm, I'm talking about, have you ever been so broken that you can't stop the sobbing? I have. I'm talking about that even when you try to keep it in, you can't because it's just bursting out. That's the picture here. And understand that no doubt the application... See, we're going to look at why he wept, then we're going to apply it. No doubt the application in this first point is to lost people who reject Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Because see, folks, when they reject Jesus, they're rejecting peace. And they are choosing punishment and destruction instead. The Word of God plainly teaches that those who reject Jesus will be punished. 
In Matthew 25, 46, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9 says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Let this speak to you today. Jesus Christ wept passionately over those who rejected His peace for certain destruction. When's the last time that you and I have been broken for lost people like that? By the way, you don't have to be weeping out loud to be broken. You understand. But when's the last time your heart has truly been broken for people who are headed for punishment instead of peace? May God forgive us here. May the Lord help us here. See, folks, it's God's will for the world to be saved. The Bible teaches this in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And just as it's His will that all be saved, it's His will that God's, that all of His children spread the message of the gospel to this lost and dying world. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. From across the street to across the sea, God wants His glorious message of, uh, of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants it to be spread to every living creature. And if you're saved today, listen closely, there are two things that you can do on planet earth that you will not be able to do when you go to heaven. You know what those two things are? One of them is sin. You can sin here. It's a wicked place. But when you go there, you're going to have a glorified body. There is no sin there. I'm looking forward to getting there. You can sin here. You're not going to sin there. You know what the second one is? It's give the gospel to a lost person. Because there's lost people here. But there are no lost people there. Now listen closely. This is not a trick question. If the two things that you and I as God's children can do is sin and tell people about Jesus, which one of those two do you think He left us here to do? It's not sin. It's to share the gospel. So I ask you a question, are you? Are you? You say, I can't. That's a lie. So I don't know what to tell them. Just tell them your story. Give out a gospel tract. Tell them how you met Jesus. I'm saying the reason he wept here was he wept over the punishment of those who rejected him. The second passage, you, you don't even need to turn to it just for time's sake. It's found in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, this is the story of the raising of Lazarus. And I call this point the reason he wept, why Jesus wept, number one, over the punishment of those who rejected him, but number two, over the pain of those who were hurting we find this in John chapter 11. This is the story of the raising of Lazarus, if you know this chapter. Early on in this chapter, what's going on is Lazarus is sick. He's not dead. He's only sick. His two sisters, Mary and Martha, send word to Jesus Christ. They ask Him to come to heal their brother. But the Bible teaches in this chapter that when the Lord heard the news, He stayed right where He was for two days. He waited. He didn't go immediately. He waited. Until the time now that he stepped in town, Lazarus was no longer sick. He is dead. And he's not only dead, he's been dead for four days. 
Now the interesting thing about this is back in this day it was being taught that when somebody died, now this is not what happens, but this is what was being taught back in this day, that when somebody died and their body was buried, that the spirit would hover around the tomb for three days trying to get back into the body, trying to get back in, trying to get... Now that's not what happens, but that's what was being taught. You understand? It's interesting that Jesus didn't step in town on the first, second, or third day. He waited till the fourth day. Because see, on the fourth day, everybody knew hope is gone. It's over with. Corruption is set in. That's the day Jesus stepped into town. But understand that when they hear that Jesus comes to town, Martha, one of the sisters, goes out to meet him, and he has a conversation with her. But just to keep with our text here, with what we're preaching on, in verse 32, here's what the Bible teaches. In the book of John chapter 11, verse number 32, the Bible says this. It says, then when Mary was come, in other words, Martha went first, and she said, if you had been here, our brother had not died. He sins for Mary. And in verse 32, it says, When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, Jesus wept. The point here is when Martha came and talked to him and had a conversation. Then Mary comes to talk to him. And the Bible says when she saw him, she fell down at his feet and she said, if you had only been here, my brother had not died. In other words, she knew that if the Lord would have come when she first sent for him, that her brother could have been spared death. Maybe this is her questioning the Lord. That's what it seems like to me. Seems like she's questioning him. But let me help you here. Even though she's questioning, even though she's wondering why he didn't come when she asked, she's still found at the right place. She's at the feet of Jesus Christ. She's knelt down at his feet questioning him, why didn't you come? And the Bible says that when he saw her weeping, you know what that word means? It means she's crying out loud. Do you see her? Use, use your imagination She's at his feet. He's looking down at her. She's questioning him. She's heartbroken. And she's sobbing out loud at his feet. The beautiful thing about this passage is that the Bible says when Jesus saw her weeping and others weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That word troubled means he was stirred up. He had inward commotion. Then verse 35 says, Jesus wept. You know what that word weep means there? Where it says Jesus wept? You remember the first one, over the punishment? It's an out loud cry, sobbing out loud. This is a different word. You know what this word wept means? It means he's crying in silence. Look it up. Study it. Here's the picture I have. Do you see the Lord standing there? By the way, he knows what he's getting ready to do. Nobody else does. But he knows what he's getting ready to do. He comes into town and Mary falls down at his feet, one of his own who believes him, who trusts him. Right now she's doubting. Right now she's questioning. She's brokenhearted. She, she can't connect the dots. And at that moment when we look up into the face of Jesus Christ, you know what I'm glad I don't see? Anger. I'm glad I don't see him looking down at her in disgust. 
And I'm glad he didn't reach down and grab her and, and, and pull her up and say, why don't you get on your feet? Don't you trust me? Where's your faith? Why don't you just trust me today? You don't see that here, do you? You see it out of other human beings when you're struggling. But you don't see it out of Jesus. All you see him doing when you look up into his holy face is you see a tear coming down his cheek. And he's quietly just crying with her. Now, folks... Somebody may try to teach that, that he's crying because he's getting ready to bring Lazarus back from the dead. I'm not going to die on that hill, but I don't believe that for, for, for one second. I believe he's taking time here to cry with her, to let her know that he cares. What am I saying to you? I'm saying he cares for the broken and hurting. He cares for those who are grieving and sorrowing. He cares for those, especially in his own family, who have things hit them up beside the head like a load of bricks and they can't figure it out. They don't understand like the testimony that you heard about that dear father. And I, and I started connecting the dots. I know your dad. I knew him. Not great, but we knew of each other. Mighty man of God. I don't understand why that happened to your daddy. I don't know why that happened. He doesn't know why that happened. Your mama doesn't know why that happened. I don't know why this happened to James. I don't know. I don't know why he's going through this. I know it rips your heart out. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But I know this. We have a Savior that we can bow at His feet and take our questions to Him, our doubts to Him, and even throw them at Him. And He's not going to condemn us. He'll cry with you. He'll love on you. I'm glad I serve a God, friends, who cares when my heart is breaking in two. He cares. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, by the way, He's the answer to all these things. He, see, He gets blamed for all this stuff. But I remind you, we live in a sin-cursed world. This is coming to all of us, friends. He's the answer. He's not the problem. And we thank God we're heading to a place where there is no going to... Listen, there's not going to be anybody going to be diagnosed with cancer. Amen to that. But I know this, and Hebrews 4.15 says, We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And Isaiah 53.3 says, Jesus is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. The point here in the second one is Jesus wept when others, especially His own, were brokenhearted and hurting and they couldn't figure life out. This is a precious passage that shows us that our Lord and Savior really does tenderly care for us. As the song goes, just the fourth verse, does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to Him does He see? And the chorus says, oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. In a crowd this size, no doubt, somebody here has come in here with a broken, hurting heart. And I've got good news for you. Even if you have questions and doubts, and it's even towards God, take your questions to Him. Fall at His feet. He already knows. And understand, He's not condemning you for your questions. He's crying with you. Because He loves you. Number one, He wept over the punishment of those who rejected Him. Number two, He wept over the pain of those 
who were hurting and couldn't figure life out. But number three, we find this in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 7. We see the third time that he's found crying, or at least it's alluded that he cried. In Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says it this way, Who in the days of his flesh, talking about the Lord when he was in flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears. Did you hear it? With strong crying and tears. The Bible says when he was in his flesh, there was a time when he was praying and supplicating with strong crying and strong tears. Now, no doubt, to me, this is a reference to the Garden of Gethsemane. And by the way, this word here, this phrase, strong crying and tears, this is also an outcry. It's a, it's a voice of wailing and lamentation. It's a cry for help. It's, a, it's one who's deeply distressed or in danger. Now, like I've already said, this seems to be a reference to the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm talking about before he ever got to the cross. Now, keep this in mind. The Bible says here in that verse that in the days of his flesh through his prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Listen to these passages. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 it says this, Then come a Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. This, this, this is the garden that he goes to before his crucifixion. And saith unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and, and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch and pray with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Luke twenty-two forty-one puts it this way, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, and said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him, and being, listen to this, and being in an agony, he was in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. You know what that word agony there means, where it says he was in agony when he was praying, and the Father sent some angels to strengthen him. He was in an agony. You know what that word agony means? It means a severe mental, emotional struggle. Let me ask you a question. You ever struggled in your mind? You ever struggled emotionally here? Questioning, fearing, doubting? Anguish, like a mental prison. That's what's going on here, a mental prison with him. Now let this grip our hearts. I call this the third, the third reason why he wept. He wept over the price that he would pay for our sin. He wept over the punishment of those who said no to him and would be punished. He wept over the pain of those who were suffering and hurting, especially his own who didn't understand what life had just thrown at him. But now we see him weeping over the price he would pay for our sin. Let this grip our hearts. The sinless Son of the living God is staring his death and separation from his heavenly Father in the face, and he's crying. Again, this is an out loud wail, weeping and wailing. See, my sin and the price that it would take, and he knew it would take, and the price that he would pay for me when he looked at it, caused him to burst into tears, weeping to see if there's any other possible way. Yet we see he surrendered himself to the Father's will. 
In Matthew 26, 39 and 42, he said, Not my will, but thine be done. He paid this awful payment. He paid the price, even though it caused him that strong crying and those strong tears. As the little chorus goes, he paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. When we think of this time that Jesus wept when he faced the penalty for my sin and your sin, let me quote from a commentator who put it well, that we had sinned, that I had sinned, that you had, that we had sinned, that our sin caused him such anguish that he endured for us this bitter conflict should make us weep. That man must have a hard heart who has never had an emotion when he's reflected that the Son of God not only bled and died for him, but the Son of God wept for him. Jesus wept for me. He wept for you. Now folks, the application here is when we consider this awful price that our Lord looked at and it caused Him to cry out loud the price that we deserve to pay, the payment that we deserve to pay, and yet He paid for us. I'm talking about when you see Him crying in the Garden of Gethsemane before they ever drove the spikes in Him, when you get a fresh glimpse of that. Should it not cause some things in you and me? In other words, how can I do anything less than love Him? How can I do anything less than serve Him, worship Him, completely commit myself to Him? And how can I do anything less than tell other people about Him? Show me somebody who's just playing a game. Show me somebody who's going through the motions. Can I say it this way? American Christianity is sickening. The complacency. Just, I call it chameleon Christianity. They just blend in with all their surroundings. Nobody wants to be different. Everybody just wants to live their own life, go their own way. Oh, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to heaven. What are you doing for God? Well, not much. You know what that tells me? Either number one, you're lost. Or number two, you and I have lost sight of this. Are you completely, I mean completely, surrendered to Jesus Christ? If you're not, shame on you. If I'm not, shame on me. Because He deserves our allegiance. No question about it. Now, folks, it's not, right, is it not a precious thought to consider how Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, God became a man. Is it not precious to think how He's standing on the earth that He created, looking at different things and weeping? I'm talking about this, folks. It's like stepping on holy ground. The Creator crying while He's standing on His creation. Let us never forget these three times the Bible tells us Jesus wept and why He did. Why did He? For the punishment of those who rejected Him. God break us for lost people. For the pain of those who are suffering and hurting, especially His own children who believe in Him, but life has thrown a curveball and they can't figure it out and the questions are swelling up in their mind. He loves you. He cares about you. Stop letting the devil lie to you. Stop letting the devil make you think He's Him. 
You know what the devil does? He accuses God of what he's guilty of. The devil's a liar. Amen. You know what he's trying to convince you know what he's trying to convince you of? You can't trust God. Amen, friends. The devil, you can't trust him. But he's trying to make you think you can't trust God. Now, if God is the devil, this is a big game, friends. It's not a game. God is good. Going through severe depression. I'm talking about suicidal thoughts and thinking my life was over. I'm talking about, I'm talking about from what James is going through to what, to what Reagan has gone through. Life is hard. It is difficult. God never promised that life would be a bed of roses. He never promised that. But He did promise He'll never leave us. And He'll never forsake us. So you're hurting today? You're broken today? Go to Jesus. Bow at His feet. Even if you're mad at Him. Did I just say that? Yes, even if you're mad at Him, go to Him. Give your questions to Him. Let Him love on you. And then may God help us remember the third reason that He wept over the price that He paid for my sin and for your sin.